Hey, welcome to Good Girl Gone OMAD podcast, a go-to resource for people like yourself looking to learn more about their health and happiness through intermittent fasting in a world that's constantly telling us to do more, be more, and eat more. To those of you already supporting the show with a monthly subscription, thank you. If you're not already a supporter and you'd like to help make this show better and better, tap the link in this episode's description or visit anger.fm slash goodgirlgoneomad to become a monthly supporter. Hey, I'm your host, Kay Dorellis, and today we are talking about the calorie myth. I want to and felt the need to address this topic because I get so many people asking me if I eat at a caloric deficit all the time. If you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, I post photos weekly and people will comment and ask me what I'm eating or if I'm eating a, asking me if I eat at a caloric deficit. And my honest answer is, I don't know. I'm not sure. I assume that on some days, ironically, the days when I do OMAD, I tend to feel full faster. And I would think that naturally I'm not hitting any sort of calorie quota, but I can't say for sure. I don't pay attention to calories. I think a lot of people ask me that because they think that if they follow what they think I'm doing, that they'll achieve the same results. So I think a lot of you want to believe that I'm doing this layering effect of OMAD with keto and eating at a caloric deficit. But I'm not. My little method has been working for me, so I'm not compelled to change anything. But if I do, I'll let you know. Despite our best efforts, why does it feel like the more we work, the less we lose? It feels like no matter what your goals are or what your medical history is, Every industry professional you ask will always prescribe to you decrease calories, increase activity, also known as eat less and move more. And that makes sense. We've been hearing for years that we should monitor our calories both coming in and going out. And it's not an impossible notion either. Nowadays, whether you are ordering from the Chick-fil-A menu like I do, shopping in your local grocery store, or ordering from a food app. Everywhere includes the calorie count of food. Everything has nutritional information attached to it. And now we have these smart watches and fitness trackers and Apple watches that can measure our activity and calorie burn throughout the day and night. So if we have these companies providing us with caloric information of our foods, and we have watches that tell us our calories burn, What's the problem? Why aren't we able to lose weight? Why can't we just tally up the calories we eat and track the calories we burn and ta-da, weight loss? We know better, that's why. We know the calories in versus calories out theory doesn't work. We know it doesn't work, but the problem is is that we don't want to admit that we don't know how it does work. I mean, We've been hearing and following this theory of calories in versus calories out for so long that we don't want to believe that what was once so familiar to us is a lie. 
It's a lie. Can we all just agree that it's a lie? I mean, most of us know of at least one person, if not our own selves, that's trying to lose weight. So why can't, you know, someone tell me or you tell your friend to just take 500 calories out of your diet every, every day and they'll lose a pound? If a pound is equal to 3,500 calories and you trim 500 calories a day from the food you eat over the next seven days, you'll be one pound lighter at the end of the week. So if you just play that out, if I'm looking to lose 10 pounds, all I have to do is cut out 500 calories for the next two and a half months and bam, I'm done. But we can't do, like none of us can do that, why? Perhaps it it might work for some, but it doesn't work for most. And the issue that I have is that when we try to apply a method to our lives because We think it works for all, and it doesn't. Give me a chance to just indulge in this topic a little bit more because it hits so close to home because for four years, I was trying to force this idea of calories in versus calories out into my life, and it was painful. (laughs) So if you layer on this amount of access that we have to information about our food, along with our own instinct, and by instinct, I mean, we know what we should be eating and what we should not be eating. We know to stay away from Twinkies. I know I'm picking on Twinkies. (laughs) And triple layer burgers and supersized sodas, and we should probably be eating more vegetables and fruit. We know these things. That's That's our own instinct. And then you layer that on top of the information that we get from our watches and from our phones that we can actually track our activity over the course of time to burn off these calories. Why in the hell is obesity up 250% in the last 50 years? If we have access to all of this information and knowledge is power, why has the diabetes epidemic tripled since 1980? Along with all these other chronic diseases such as insulin resistance, fatty liver disease, cancer, asthma, Alzheimer's. And I know when I say 1980, that sounds like ages ago, but some of us are 38 years old or have a 38-year-old child. So if you draw the correlation between these hyper-accelerated diseases that we're living with to the probability of us living like a healthy life, We don't have a snowball's chance in hell to live life without suffering or getting at least one of these if we don't really get clear about what we pass off as conventional wisdom. Calories in versus calories out is meaningless. And this might sting a little bit too, but exercising more doesn't work either. I know, I love y'all though. But I'm a different type of health coach and I can't have my people walking around out there wanting a new lifestyle with old ways of thinking. Because if you believe the calories in versus calories out theory, what they're saying is that it is possible to balance energy. Calories are just a measurement of energy. So you believe you have all the tools you need to balance your own food energy. I believe 100% in energy and energy transference and Namaste and good vibes only and all of that. But 
there are some times where something will throw me off, whether it's people, sickness, some other situation. So I always wonder if I can't control my energy with these external factors around me, why do we think we can control our energy internally? Anyway, so let's look at a typical American diet. So let's say you are typically eating 2,700 calories a day. That's about a million calories a year, which equals to 10 million calories in a decade, which is about 10 tons of food or 20 pounds in a decade. So a diet of 2,700 calories a day is about 20 pounds over the course of a decade. So now that you know this formula on weight gain over the course of 10 years, the question becomes, how accurately do you have to calculate your calories to make sure that you don't gain those 20 pounds in a decade? And the answer is within 20 calories. That's basically 0.8% accuracy. No human can be this accurate with counting calories. But don't get so discouraged. If the accuracy is so precise that this 20 calories is the target of gaining the 20 pounds, then what does that say about people that didn't gain 20 pounds in a decade? Does that mean they're better mathematicians? Do they have better apps to track their activity? Do they practice balancing their energy better? The truth is it's not generally explainable, but we still believe it to be true. While most of us try to track our calories to a T and still not lose a pound. (laughs) There are others who can eat whatever they want, work out less, and still get in shape. Do we know somebody like this? I'll give you a hint. She doesn't track calories. She doesn't wear a Fitbit. She commits to working out on Saturday and Sunday. It's me. I didn't sign up to be a mathematician when I decided to lose weight. I'm not counting calories. I'm done counting steps. I don't want to track macros. I don't trust my own math. Like, I'm in the creative industry. I'm in the health, wellness, and fitness industry. I'm not in the calculus, algebra, trigonometry industry. (laughs) Also, tracking calories is not a proven science. Let me tell you how I know none of the nutritional information you're given is worth a crap. It's not. And I don't need a C-suite position or some fancy lab coat to tell you this. The standards for the nutrition labels allow for a certain tolerance of inaccuracy. So in the United States, there is a 20% margin of error allowed between what is stated on the label and what is actual. So you don't know you don't know if the snack that you're eating is 200 calories as seen on the label, 240 calories, the plus side of 20% or 160 calories. Like what? There a there are so there are different methods that determine calorie count. So whether the food is being me- measured with the calorimeter or it's done by multiplying the number of calories by the grams of contained macronutrients, you will get different results depending on how you measure. B, food preparation can alter your calorie yield, whether you're using high heat, whether you're eating food raw, whether you're blending, 
steaming, it does alter your calorie yield. And see, like the FDA loves nice whole numbers, <laughs> nice divisible numbers, which means your snack that is actually 184 calories can actually be labeled 180 calories and it's allowable. It's allowable across all the nutritional content seen on your label. But don't assume that because I'm saying that you'll never be precise in counting calories that you shouldn't count calories. I'm just saying that you probably want to rethink committing to the calories in versus calories out theory as a mean, means for weight loss. I also have trust issues when it comes to the transparency of food that's being sold to us, um, just to be 100% with you guys. Like in this past summer, there were two food and beverage companies that experienced a newsworthy crisis, in my opinion. The Almond Breeze Almond Milk recalled over 145,000 cartons of almond milk because it contained real milk. So you had people walking around thinking that they're drinking almond milk when they're actually trying to avoid lactose and they're drinking real milk. And then Jamba Juice has a class action lawsuit filed where they've been accused of using cheap concentrates instead of the whole food ingredients that they advertise. My point is not the ingredients so much so as the deception from these companies that we are supposed to trust. And if we can't trust them with the ingredients that they promise to deliver to us, can we really trust the information that they put on the label of their own product? Maybe, but maybe not. And here's what I believe in about energy. Food is, but it's not only energy. Twinkies, I know I'm picking on Twinkies. Twinkies have energy, but it's crap for your body. So quality does play an important role. In my previous episode titled Rethink Your Food, I dive deeper into reconsidering the calorie labels as your guide and really embracing your food as information. Your body uses food to power all of the systems inside of it. So we totally miss the point when the only thing that we think of when it comes to nutritional facts are calories, sodium, sugar, cholesterol, protein, etc. We are lacking so much so in food information, and we've been trained to pay the most attention to calories. But what we need to know about our food is like the glycemic index, like uh, inflammatory responses, nutrient density, like all that other stuff is very important. And let's just tackle this notion of calories and eating just a little bit more. Do you realize in our society, when people look to lose weight, the common advice that they are given is to eat more? I know because it happened to me. I went to go see a nutritionist and, you know, they asked me, what's a typical day look like for you in regards to food? And I tell them I wake up, I drink coffee, I have a relatively large lunch, um, I pick it probably some of my daughter's food for dinner. Um, I have some popcorn and I go to sleep. And she looks over at me and says, well, you need to eat more. And the my first thought was, well, I was actually hoping I can take out some probably lunch because I'm not losing weight. Um, 
But I didn't really challenge it because we just keep hearing this notion that, you know, six meals a day, you know, eat more food, calories in, calories out. So that's what they tell you, though. It's like you go to someone for the expertise to lose weight and they tell you to eat more. They tell you eat six times a day, eat more vegetables, eat more protein, eat more low fat snacks, eat breakfast, don't skip dinner, eat more whole grains. So can you see why people are so confused? They might not be able to articulate it, but they're trying to make sense of this idea that too many calories makes us fat. And this idea that in order to lose weight, you got to eat more. It is, it's mind boggling. And also, let's talk about this idea that you can exercise and burn off what you eat. <laughs> As if it's some sort of transactional exchange with your body. Personally, any one of you that knows me knows that I love working out. Like I just love being active and I always have. That love for being active was sucked dry when I was on this hamster wheel for weight loss a while ago because I felt like the effort that I was putting into the gym wasn't showing up on my body. And that's when I was working out like multiple hours, six days a week. And I'm so glad to say that because of intermittent fasting, I've actually taken that burden off of my workouts. So when you see me working out, it's really for enjoyment and obviously working out my heart, not any sort of changes that I'm going to see in the gym. So many people would like to believe that our bodies are like a fireplace with the whole calories in versus calories out theory. For example, you put wood into your fireplace. In this case, the wood would be the food. You light your fire, the fire represents your body, and eventually the wood gets burned and turns into ash. So the idea here is that the less wood you put into the fire, the less that gets burned. Or you put less wood into the fireplace, but you start a big fire, that wood should burn up in minutes. But the problem is that your body is not like any of these mechanics that we relate to it. There is a theory that says that instead of your body being viewed as this balance of energy, your body is more like a thermostat. So going back to human biology and the principle of homeostasis, your body is actually set up to resist drastic increases and de decreases in weight. So for example, if our, body is, if our body set weight is at 200 pounds or 90 kilograms, by restricting calories over time, we drop down to 180 pounds, for example. If our body's thermostat is set at 200 pounds, what will happen is that your body will try to regain that weight that we lost. So it'll respond by stimulating appetite, our ghrelin levels are, will increase, we are no longer feeling satisfied with food, we start to overeat, and we regain this weight back. So sometimes we think that when we overeat, it's a personal choice or some lack of willpower. But it's not. It's not that you're a failure, but this way of thinking, this calories in versus calories out, is not really set up for you to be successful. 
your hormones are actually causing a lot of your behavior. A registered nutritionist might not tell you that, but I will. I have this book called The Obesity Code by Jason Fong that really brings this idea home, and I want to read it to you. Consider our thermostat analogy. Normal room temperature is 70 degrees Fahrenheit, 21 degrees Celsius. If the house thermostat were set instead to 32 degrees Fahrenheit, we'd find it too cold. Using the first law of thermodynamics, we decide that the temperature of the house depends upon heat in versus heat out. As fundamental laws of physics, it's invaluable. Since we need more heat in, we buy a portable heater and plug it in. But heat in is only the approximate cause of the high temperature. The temperature at first goes up in response to the heater, But then the thermostat, sensing the higher temperature, turns on the air conditioner. The air conditioner and the heater are constantly fighting each other until the heater finally breaks and the temperature returns to 32 degrees Fahrenheit. The mistake here is to focus on the proximate and not the ultimate cause. The ultimate cause of the cold was the low setting of the thermostat. Our failure was that we did not recognize that the house contained a homeostatic mechanism, the thermostat, to return the temperature to 32 degrees Fahrenheit. The smarter solution would have been for us to identify the thermostat's control and simply set it to a more comfortable 70 degree Fahrenheit temperature and avoid the fight between the heater and the air conditioner. The reason diets are so hard and often unsuccessful is that we are constantly fighting our own body. As we lose weight, our body tries to bring it back up. The smarter solution is to identify the body's homeostatic mechanism and adjust it downward. And there lies our challenge. So then he dives into like leptin resistance being the answer on how do we actually get fat and how do we actually lose weight under this thermostat theory. But the thing to take away is that when you really think about it, Calories are not specifically our enemy, but our own fat is what's causing us to be fat. And that right there is just a crazy notion that we all have to wrestle with. The thing I love about intermittent fasting and the reason why it works is that it's intermittent. So given everything we just talked about regarding your body and homeostasis, the one thing that we want to avoid on this journey in weight loss is consistency. And most diets are consistent. Eat six meals at these six times or eat uh, uh, 1,700 calories. Your body is going to recognize this pattern. It's very smart. And it's going to meet it with resistance. And by resistance, I mean plateau. Intermittent fasting is more effective for people versus diets because of how it affects our insulin levels. And it does this by being inconsistent. So... A lot of people ask me often if I'm going to continue with intermittent fasting. And my first response is, yeah. (laughs) But secondarily, you know, I just throw out a notion that um, I don't think that we're designed to eat around the clock. Like, this is a lifestyle. We're not designed to eat around the clock. We're not designed to eat the way that our culture tells us to eat. And I think that fasting 
should be a part of everyone's life, just like eating is. So if you're practicing intermittent fasting, just know that people think that we're already radically different. However, fasting is no different than any other skill or any other practice diet in life. It takes practice. It takes support. um, It takes a community to be able to approach food differently than the rest of the world. So that's all for today's episode. Please share this episode with someone that you know that may need to think differently about their food and their goals. As always, I'm here for questions and feedback. I want to know if you all follow a specific diet with intermittent fasting, um, or if you've been tracking your calories, or are you like me and you ditched counting altogether? Reach out to me on goodgirlgoneomad.com or on Instagram or Facebook at goodgirlgoneomad and let me know what you think about this episode. Bye for now. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.